Hey guys, Arjun here and Oliver from the Twin Cast back to give you another review of Wonder Woman 1984 and just talking about just having a live discussion about all the movie news that has come out over the past few weeks. And it's great to have Oliver back on another longer episode, unfiltered. Make sure to leave your comments down below. Make sure to subscribe and also make sure to subscribe and give this one a like as well. So I just wanted to say we are going to be talking about Wonder Woman 1984. We will be going into spoilers because a large majority of you have probably already seen the movie. So if and if you have not seen the movie, come back and watch it and then come back to listen to this review. So I'm going to start with a little synopsis of the film. Oh, God. Um, yeah. This film stars Gal Gadot as the titular Wonder Woman. It's set in 1984, and she has been a archaeologist, I guess you could say, or a museum curator at the Smithsonian. And she and this woman, played by Kristen Wiig, who's like who idolizes her in a sense and wants to be just like her and they kind of have this weird relationship and then there's this oil baron named max lord played by pedro pascal who finds this stone i guess you could call it a dream stone that grants anyone a wish so he becomes the stone and it's just this long-winded epic kind of i guess allegorical film that that has been dividing audiences because you either love it or you hate it. There's no middle ground found between the both parties, but Oliver and I will give our thoughts right now. So Oliver, why don't you just give us your overall thoughts before we go and break down the specifics? Well, um, I think it's, it's kind of an average movie. It's not as terrible as people say, but it's still like incredibly bad. So yeah. I'll start off. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really bad description. But I'll start off with the positives. I think um, Pedro Pascal's acting is actually pretty good. His character isn't, and, I'll, and I think we'll get into that later. Mm-hmm. But I think his acting is like, it's pretty good. It serves the purpose. And it's, he probably gives off the best performance in the entire movie. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, um, Oliver and Pedro Pascal's performance, I think he probably is the best. His character is extremely poorly written. I think that they kind of characterize him in this odd way, I guess you could say, because he kind of, he he has motivations in the first act. The second act is kind of muddled. And then the third act, his character arc, I don't, I don't really know how to describe him because he's so poorly written, but what he is given, he is able to use to the best of his ability. He's able to turn in a very solid performance and a performance I think is much better than any other performance in this film. Gal Gadot, we'll talk about her and kind of the man, she's kind of mad in this movie. Steve Trevor played by Chris Pine is good, but the whole Steve Trevor kind of trope they're using in this film makes no sense. We'll describe that a little bit later in our negatives. And I think Kristen Wake, she's solid, you know, as Cheetah. She's not terrible, but the, the CGI. So bad, right? The CGI. Oh, yeah, it, yeah the CGI and the writing is terrible. Mm-hmm. Oliver, do you have any other positives? Because I I mean I can give one of mine. I think I guess the first action sequence is pretty cool in the mall. Oh, me- I didn't like it. <laughs> like it. I thought it was way too cheesy. I mean, I know, I know that was the point, but yeah, I'll just talk about that later. But yeah. that part where like the girl slides into the teddy bear, oh god, yeah. I didn't, I didn't smile. I didn't have like this like happy cheesy corny smile. I, I kind of cringed a little bit. I was like, ugh, you know. No. I know what. Uh huh. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. No, no. Keep going. Keep going. So as soon as I saw that slide, I was like, oh, geez, I know what type of movie this is going to be. Yeah. 
Yeah, I have to agree with you. I mean, I like that scene. I think it was interesting. I think it was kind of a play on if you've seen Superman 1 and 2 from 1998. These are very cheesy films on purpose, not because of their age, but also on purpose because Superman is a bit of a cheesy character. So I kind of like that sequence, but I think it was a little bit too overlong. It was like 10, 20, 10, 20 minutes for us to have this prologue sequence that doesn't tie in to any other plot points. And the idea of shortcuts in life, which is presented when Diana is doing this, I guess, trial or something. She's kind of doing this like Olympic style game. Doesn't really tie into the film. So I don't know why we're being beaten over the head with this cheating is bad trope when it doesn't actually come into play within the movie a lot. So I, I found that a very odd choice, Oliver. I think it was supposed to come into play, but the movie itself was just so convoluted. It didn't really, I don't know. It didn't really have anything to say. It tried to say something that you've like already mentioned, but it didn't really, you know, like too many things that they were trying to do with this. Um, I absolutely agree. I mean, this film, I've seen a lot of reviewers say it's terrible. I wouldn't go as far as terrible, but I would give it a thumbs down. This movie is not good at all. There are so many flaws. And one of my biggest problems with the film itself is like how convoluted the plot is. First of all, we have this MacGuffin device used, this gemstone. Wishing rock. Wishing rock, I guess you could call it. I mean, it just just comes out of nowhere that they have this thing, this wishing rock that grants you powers. And while I am able to suspend my disbelief to an extent, I think a wishing rock is so out of like touch with what the film is going for that this kind of sci-fi adventure film that the first one is, but set in the past. So I think that this fantasy element that comes out of nowhere and has no kind of, I'm okay with having a MacGuffin plot if it has been tied in to the films or the franchise previously, like an Ant-Man and the Wasp. But in this film, we get this random rock that grants wishes i think that plot line is so ill-conceived especially with giving pedro pascal the idea that i actually should become this rock i should wish i have the power to become this rock i think that is shockingly bad writing from patty jenkins and i know there's a co-writer but whoever whoever had final say on that that was just a misconceived idea that did not work Oliver, what's your thoughts on the dream rock i guess oh i completely um i completely agree with that that's that's an excellent point and to add on you kind of saw that with um the first wonder woman right Mm -hmm. in the first movie the whole thing was like a war film it was epic it was this world war one like adventure where um um, wonder woman kind of comes in and saves the world but then at the very end of like the climax battle Ares like comes in and it's just kind of out of nowhere Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't really fit the film. Like, adding mythology to this, you know. Or, okay, I wouldn't say that because the beginning was in um, that Amazon place. But just, like, yeah. yeah, I know what you're saying. It distracts, I think, from the overall tone of the film. Because I actually think Wonder Woman, if it had stuck with this war vibe with a little bit of action, romance, kind of all these different elements together, I think the film would be a lot better. I think it would actually be the... It is the best DCEU. There's really no any. There's not really any good DCEU movies, honestly. Shazam. Besides, yeah. Besides, maybe Shazam and Wonder Woman. But mm-hmm. I, I do believe that that tacked-on ending 
that no one really wanted. No one wanted the plot line with Ares. I found that to be a little bit cheesy and a bit of a cop-out. But yeah. I think that the thing with Ares, the reason it did, it resonated better than this film with this weird greed consumerist message that I think is really interesting to work with the 80s because it was this era of corruption with, you know, rising rates of drugs, stock market, these kind of big personality, Patrick Bateman-like characters mm-hmm. that were coming onto the scene. But in this film the theme is conveyed so poorly with this MacGuffin plot device that has no, like it doesn't even work within the film. You know what I mean? It just, it's so out of place. And I really, I understand how I just could not suspend my disbelief and enjoy this film. I think, I think that's one of, that's the, one of the biggest problems with the script is starting off with a MacGuffin device that doesn't have a role to play in previous films was set up in the last Wonder Woman film or any other DCEU film for that matter. That is an excellent point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so why don't we talk about some of the performances and, or let's talk about some of the performances real quick. We talked about Pedro Pascal. He gives a good performance. What are your thoughts on Kristen Wiig? Mm-hmm. I mean, she's fine. I, I don't think there's much to say about any of the performances. Most of the problems with the characters come, like, they're more with the writing. Mm-hmm. I, can we just talk about that? Because yeah, there's really not much to say. Yeah, yeah there's, I'll, I'll just give a little summary right now. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, here we go. Gal Gadot, she was fine. She does not have an acting range, as many of you know. She's probably there because she's can do her own stunts because she was in the military, mm-hmm. but she's not a great actress. Steve Trevor, Chris Pine. Chris Pine is a very talented actor. He's seen yeah. in Hell or High Water. You know he's a very talented actor. He's mi- brutally underused. He was the best part of the last film by far, but we'll talk about the terrible plot line with him in a little bit. And Kristen Wake, she was fine. She's Cheetah, I guess. I mean, she's going out of her comfort zone, but her character is just awful. Like the CGI for her character in Cheetah is very poorly misconceived. It looks like she's from Cats, the newest movie. So overall, not the biggest fan of the acting overall. Pedro Pascal turns in a solid performance with the the script he was given. He turns in a good performance. That's all I can say, really. Mm -hmm. And I think to kind of segue into the actual writing, Mm -hmm. I found like a lot of um, problems with it was it was just too cheesy it was so forced like corniness like cheesiness all of that stuff should never be forced it should be like kind of naturally charming mm-hmm. like you said with the superman stuff that's naturally charming right yes. but the but the wonder woman sequel was just like oh hey look at this all oh, the characters are so quirky you should like them because they're quirky and it just doesn't work it it's, absolutely... it's not natural at all yeah Oliver, sorry to cut you off a little bit, but absolutely, this movie does not work at all. And the twist with with Trevor is 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 it's mind-boggling. Doesn't make any sense. So there's some random dude standing at this party mm-hmm. that somehow has the soul and the mind of Steve Trevor, and it's in his body. So she wishes she could have the one lover of her life, Steve Trevor back right okay that's fine i mean yeah okay but then you tie it into this weird plot where steve trevor is not played by chris pine technically but he's played by some other random guy okay that's i i i I guess i can buy that 
But the weirdest part is when that scene occurs and they have the spinning cameras, they do this 360 shot, Chris Pine's face is is there, his body is there, but we know from the last scene that's not him. And it's weird how he is there, but then the, it's, it's weird for me how he's there, right, Oliver? Yeah, I don't But understand. then it's, he, he, uh, Chris Pine is there, but he's not there because this other dude is, is Steve there. Trevor. So yeah. it it's absolutely makes no sense. Oliver, what's yeah, your it, thought I, on that? I was like confused the entire time. I was like, okay, so do we just see Steve Trevor and everybody sees this random guy? Or does Diana and like the audience see um, Chris Pine? Or does everyone see the random guy? I, I was just so confused. And the thing is that it didn't even have to be this confusing. Mm-hmm. Since um, Diana wished for um, her one true lover to come back, Chris Pine could have just been there. Like they didn't yes. have to do this whole random dude thing. It, it makes no sense. And it just makes everything so much more confusing. I absolutely agree, Oliver. They, if, if, if this rock can wish anything and it takes something away, then why is Steve Trevor not just come back in his own form? Right, Oliver? Not this like handsome. Oh, he's literally credited as like handsome man or something. He's, he's credited as handsome man. And he's a good looking guy. He's in all these Hallmark films, but we don't know mm-hmm. who this guy is. He doesn't have the t- acting ability of Chris Pine. So I found it very odd for him, Oliver, mm-hmm. to be in this movie. And my other big problem with Steve Trevor's character is the idea, right, Oliver, is that when you wish for something, something is taken away from you, right? Right? That's the whole plot. But something already is taken away from her because she loses her powers. So she loses her powers and loses the body of Steve Trevor, right? If I'm comprehending this correctly, that, mm-hmm. that plot line just doesn't make any sense. It just... The film tries to have these big emotional moments without actually setting them up properly. And the second act is just bad. It's just so, it's almost unwatchable, to be honest. The second and the third act are, are, are really bad. They're, they're, they're some of the worst DC stuff we've seen. And we've seen movies like Batman versus Superman. So there's been a lot of bad DC stuff. You know the worst part about um, Wonder Woman? Yeah, tell um, me. 1984. There's, there's pretty much like little action. Just There's yeah. almost no action, actually. When I come to these movies, I just want to see like two people fight each other. Yeah. But in the first hour or so, it's just people talking. And the conversations aren't even interesting because mm-hmm. the characters are so like one-dimensional. <laughs> feels so pointless. I mean. <laughs> this movie does feel pointless. Absolutely pointless. And the thing is... My criticism is action does not have to be there. I, I don't know. I, I love the Dark Knight Rises so much for some reason. Yeah, but um, but like that movie has an arc. Like we feel the emotion of Bruce Wayne because it's built over three films. And when he, I have to say, that's still one of my favorite scenes from Nolan is when he walks up through the like the the prison that has like that um the prison with the hole at the top. When he walks up, that's such an inspiring scene. This film kind of goes for that, but it goes for like this weird thing where walls are being built and people are wishing all these things. And it's just, this film goes for this melancholic tone while also having a campy and fun tone at the same time that contradict each other in the grand scheme of the films. You know what I mean, Oliver? It goes for like all these big themes and big emotions while also having this cheesy tone. And these two just don't work. They don't, you have to choose one tone. Like I would have, 
I actually think this movie kind of worked in a different way. I would have rewritten this film where Maxwell Lord is like the secretary of defense and like decides to like pursue Wonder Woman to be under his wing or something like that. Like, like, yeah. like, like it's kind of like all the, about like greeting consumerism, but she becomes this, I don't know how, like in Incredibles 2, kind of some pl- similar plotline to that, but mm-hmm. where, mm-hmm. where she becomes like a government asset and stuff and they begin to use her. I, th- I think that would be an interesting plot line there, but this film is woefully like, it's underwhelming all over. It, it's just, I, I can't watch it. It, it, was, it was so bad. Mm-hmm. I think back to your um, Dark Knight analogy, the Dark Knight Rises analogy, right? Mm-hmm. The thing with that movie is that at least it's interesting. At least it's kind of like going somewhere. Mm-hmm. But with um, WW84, <laughs> with WW84, you know, people are just talking. Oh, and exactly. it doesn't build character because the characters were never that interesting to begin with. And all the characterization is said through the dialogue. There's literally a scene, ha, 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 oh, oh, Barbara, you're so funny and you're so kind. That's literally one of the scenes in the movie. And that scene lasts for 10 minutes. My mm-hmm. God, like, I know we're bashing on this film, but this film, this film was woefully underwhelming. And <sighs> you want to talk about the third act because the third act just makes no sense. I mean, mm-hmm. we're kind of rambling here, but I just, I don't know. I really don't have my, this film. Oh my God. So the third act, if what happens in the third act to give you a little reminder is that the wishes are revoked. So people revoke the wishes, right? And I can mm-hmm. understand this plot line, this plot line, at least this film would stay in continuity, but it doesn't. So what the wish is, you retract your wish, Oliver, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what happens is you remember that you retracted your wish or something, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that you remember that other people retracted their wish. And this is a contradiction in my eyes because, and I'll say this right now, it's a contradiction because do people just remember this one day and this one year where everything almost came apart? Nuclear missiles were flying. There was $10 million. You, you paid off all your debts. Everything in your life was becoming, was getting really, was going really well, but like somehow it just all disappeared. Like, like how would, this is like a world changing event in the film that everyone remembers. And it doesn't make any sense how no one can remember how this occurred. You know what I mean? How this Mm -hmm. event actually, what happened during this event? Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a really big plot hole. Um, I think Chris Duckman also brought that up. Mm -hmm. Just, um, that review right it just doesn't make any sense it just it really doesn't oliver it just this movie this movie does so much tries to do so much and try to conjure these big themes but what ends up happening it, it first of all it ruins the dceu timeline like at mm-hmm. least try to keep the timeline intact at least zach snyder i'll give him that has has a has it has three distinct films that are none of them are good at all but at least they all have a through line you know what i mean they're all connected but in this film, this was woefully underwhelming in my eyes. It was, it ruined the timeline of the movies. It kind of made me lose a little bit of faith in Patty Jenkins because the last film, she didn't write it. She just directed it. And it's because, what? Yeah, it was pretty good. It was a pretty good film. I give that movie like a, like a B, B plus, you know? Yeah, exactly. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. But this film, like what happened? Like, also, I think the problem is, I don't know how skilled of a writer she really is because in the last film, she did not write it. Someone else wrote it. And I think that lent, it, lent itself to being a better film because Patty Jenkins, 
wasn't the only one who was writing this, who she wrote this film as well. So these are all of her ideas and we can see kind of, she tried to tackle such big themes in this film of consumerism, which first of all have been done in films like Wolf of Wall Street and um, just Wall Street in general, the film Wall Street. And she tries to tackle these in a superhero film, but what ends up happening is the plot becomes so bungled and it's done so poorly that I, I, I think this film, honestly, I, I would never rewatch this. I don't think, yeah. I don't think I could rewatch it. And I mean, th- those are kind of our thoughts on the film. Oliver, could, do you have a score? Could you go to score? I mean, I'll give it like a D. I didn't really like it that much. I, D? I, I, there was no reason for me to really watch it. To be honest, I, I think I, the more I talk about it, the more I'm like, wow, that movie was not good. I'm, I'm actually going to go to D minus. I really, no, not a D. Actually, I'm not going to go to D minus. You know, I'll go to D plus. It wasn't, it wasn't, it was, it was bad, but it wasn't like D minus is like, there's one redeeming quality in that film. I no. mean, I mean, like for me, it wasn't even that fun. Like, yeah, exactly. Terrible action movies are at least kind of fun because, you know, they're smashing their heads into each other. Except there's for Pretty much like, yeah, okay. But there was like very little of that. So, you know, why would I watch this? Like ever again, yeah. Th- this film, there's there's no point in me rewatching it. I think that even I'll say this: Batman versus Superman is a better film than this, and I cannot believe I'm saying that. That movie is terrible, but um, yeah, I enjoy Batman v Superman more than this film. I, yeah, I really do. Um, I think this would be bottom. I think this one would probably. I put this after. I think this one is better than Suicide Squad but worse than Batman v Superman. So it's like the third worst DCEU film. Which is kind of sad because Wonder Woman is probably the best. Wonder Woman is for sure. And my little ranking, I'll do the ranking. I've not seen Harley Quinn. I have no interest in seeing that one, but um, I might. (laughs) We'll see. Um, I'll go Wonder Woman, Shazam, I guess Man of Steel, Aquaman, and then all Batman versus Superman, Wonder Woman, 84, Suicide Squad Justice League. I think that's how I would rank them. That's pretty fair. I think that's yeah. a fair assessment of the film. That whole. I f- mean, the saddest part is that it's not even like one of the worst ECU movies. That's already a pretty low standard, but like, <laughs> it, it's one of just one of the worst superhero movies like ever made. Oh, exactly! It's awful, Oliver. The, yeah. the, this I, I'm not kidding. This is bottom twenty DCEU. No, no, not just not no bottom twenty DC superhero movies. This movie's terrible. Mm-hmm. Want to go further and just say like bottom twenty comic movies? I, mean. I don't think I go that far, but it's it's yeah, um sure. it's it's uh-huh. low tier. It's for sure low tier. Quite, yeah. Okay, so that was our little review and kind of I guess rant. I guess you could say about Wonder Woman eighty four and our disdain for this film. Mm-hmm. And so the other thing we want to transition to is this groundbreaking Warner Brothers news. And we haven't talked about this. We were a little bit late to the train, but watching Wonder Woman on the on the small screen, it kind of it kind of changed my. Th- it kind of made me think about this shocking change that has occurred because of because that now all the Warner Brother releases, Oliver, will be on HBO Max. What are your thoughts? Just g- give me your first impressions on HBO Max. And then we can transition into the um, kind yeah. of yeah. the rest of I think of this HBO thing. Max is like a great platform. Mm-hmm. And as you see with all of this, it's actually a pretty smart strategy because if um, Warner Brothers moves all of its um, slates 
all of the film slates to HBO, it's going to draw on more subscribers, which would actually benefit them in the long run. Because when you go to like a movie theater, right, the company's only benefiting from that one ticket. But yes. when somebody has an HBO Max subscription, the company just keeps getting that income, that currency. Yeah. So it's a pretty um, smart move, yeah. I actually agree with that, Oliver. Um, my thing about HBO Max, I think the rollout was done very poorly. It wasn't even on all the streaming sites. So I think that what happened from that, what happened from there, Oliver, is that it didn't work for me because HBO Max was not on Roku. It was only on Apple TV and Samsung. So the rollout was kind of stymied. And the thing is, they marketed it pretty poorly about what exactly HBO Max was. But when you look in the catalog that HBO Max has, I think it's unparalleled. I think HBO Max in the coming years will eclipse Netflix with, for the quality of content. Well, Disney so, Plus yeah. is the cornerstone <laughs> of family entertainment. This is the this is the cornerstone for adult entertainment. Like this, <laughs> this is where this is much edgier. It has a lot darker content because it's HBO. HBO only makes TVMA TV shows because of their uncensored, because they have the ability to make uncensored TV. So I think that their their ability to make, first of all, great shows like The Wire and Succession shows like that. And they now have the infrastructure and the catalog to catapult them from being just this kind of niche adult um, based service to being like this kind of this global chain that anyone can be attracted to. Because what I think they should do is they should integrate all their platforms that they have including the DC, HBO Now, and HBO Go. They should just consolidate that into Max because with Max, I think that your quality of entertainment is far superior to even Netflix because the catalog that they have right now is unmatched in my eyes. And they're with Warner Brothers. I'll say this. These are unprecedented times. And I think that it was a smart move. But what I will say, though, I do have to criticize them. Because the thing is, they didn't actually tell any of their partners they were doing this. They didn't settle on payments for any of these people with bonuses based on movies. So what has happened in my eyes is that their move was smart if they had cut out deals with both Legendary, which is the place that usually puts up the money for these films, as well as all the directors and the people who are attached to these films. If they had made those deals and put those deals in place in order, Oliver, for them to do well in order for them not to do well, but in order for them to be able to put this on with seamlessly, I think that would, that would have been good, except now that there's so much controversy around this new subject because they didn't talk to their partners. They didn't make, they didn't do any deals before they kind of, Hmm. Before they kind of made this um, before they made this deal with HBO max because they hadn't cut out a deal with the other providers and their partners, it created this big ruckus. And Warner Brothers is being turned on. Nolan, all these high-profile directors, Villeneuve, Gunn, James Gunn, have all turned on them. So I think, I think they've shot themselves in the foot. I mean, Oliver, what are your thoughts? I think it's. I think the HBO decision is quite intelligent, quite quite a smart move. That's definitely going to benefit them in the future. But it's kind of it's quite immoral. Mm-hmm. Just to all the people who put their hard work into um, making these movies, mm-hmm. people who actually want people who people who actually want audiences to see their creations in a in the biggest screen possible, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's quite saddening actually the state of things right now. The state of things is because 
I would be fine with their decision if deals had been cut, Oliver, right? This would be – this is a very lucrative move. If they had not gone the backlash that they did from these high-profile directors that the industry respects. And my, my argument here is that because the industry res- – they're such respected directors like Nolan and Denny Villeneuve, and because mm-hmm. they didn't cut deals with their partners and they didn't create a partnership that would last because they tried to – they try to stab the back of anyone, you know, any, any of their, all of their partners for their own profit. It has created this ruckus where lawsuits are being filed. Directors Guild will probably boycott Warner Brothers. So Warner Brothers will make a lucrative deal for the next 17 films and expanding HBO Max beyond the confines of just a meager 12 million subscribers. I think that their deal ultimately fell through because of the lack of integrity. And I think that this, the lack of integrity within this deal created great uproar in the film community. And I think that it looks bad, Oliver. I think that based just directors will not want to come work with Warner Brothers if, because, and I'll explain why, I want to come work with them because they, they don't trust them. They, they don't have that trust that some other companies like Sony have or other other people really any other one in the film industry have so they, i don't think they'll have that trust that is needed to kind of i don't i don't know how to describe it but the trust that is needed in order to create a long-standing relationship with a company so i think this warner brothers news it doesn't i think i think warner Brothers has shot themselves in the foot trying to kind of rebrand hbo max no you described things perfectly um I don't know. I don't know how this is going to pan out for them sacrificing um, their reputation mm-hmm. for a couple more subscribers. <laughs> yeah. It probably won't um, end well, though. I don't think it'll pan out because Dune, because Dune actually was guaranteed a release in the contract. If they, if Legendary sues them, they will be forced to release that film in theaters. And there's going to be mm-hmm. some epic backlash from that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. This Warner Brothers situation is very precarious right now. It's I think it will sort itself out, but it's going to take a long time for these kind of wounds to heal, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. because this kind of these dangerous moves that are being made by them. My other thing I want to talk about, Oliver, news wise, it's, kind of, it's kind of a little bit more of an open forum today, as you, many of you guys know, mm-hmm. is the I think this is ill. I really think this is ill planned. Um, this new idea or new plan from what's it called? from Disney to produce 20 new shows within two years. That means we're getting 10 shows per year, new shows, 10 shows, new shows per year on HBO Max. And I'll tell you why this is an ill-fated move because they're seeing the success of Mandalorian. They're seizing this new season as being critically claimed. People are loving it. I loved it. But now they're getting a little greedy. Now they're thinking, okay, the Star Wars formula works on TV. People want these new stories. People want different stories. So what we're going to do is we're just going to push out as much Star Wars related content as possible. And I'm like, okay, 10 new Star Wars shows. That's a bad move. First of all, I'm not even excited for the only two I'm excited for is Acolyte because that's going to be Darth Plagueis, which is interesting. Cassian Andor and Obi-Wan show. Those are the only three I'm excited for. The other eight or sorry, I mean, seven, you can throw away. I mean, and, and one of the ideas is a 
10 minute anime Star Wars show. What? Come on. That, that's yeah. so that that's so poorly written with only six episodes. So it's going to be like it's like going to be an hour movie. I don't know how that's going to work. So we have these Star Wars announcements, right, Oliver? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, this is this is not turning all over. They're, they're going to flood the market with so much content, I think. And I think it's actually going to hurt them because this kind of chatter about Mandalorian for weeks, weeks now, it's because nothing else was on TV. And because of this, it got so much attention, so much focus, and so many viewers wanted to watch it. Also, be sure to check out our Mandalorian review that I just posted. It's really in-depth. It's spoiler. It's awesome. Go check it out. But to that point, Oliver, my biggest problem is this, about this. I think there's, it's going to be oversaturation of the market. So we have the Star Wars oversaturation, and then we're going to have this next thing. This is my – I'm worried. My other worry is the oversaturation of the Marvel – market the mcu is something i've i i don't know my feelings about the mcu are conflicted because on one hand i like some of the films oliver and i both enjoy some of the films but my other big problem with the mcu is the way it's kind of created this formula and this kind of idea of everything has to be so interconnected in this interconnected universe that kind of to be honest i'm getting kind of sick of this interconnected universe of mcu films that i think i think it really is hurting them I think it is hurting film and cinema in general because we're getting all these extended universes, all these new spinoff shows that I don't think are needed. We need to go back to cinema when it was good, when it was simple, where you can have a kind of sequels and prequels and all this stuff, but not everything has to be connected and try to build out this world that is very remarkable and very amazing. But I think that I do, I do criticize it because it goes so, so big. I think my biggest problem is it tries to do so many things at once. I think the Marvel market and superhero market has become too oversaturated because at the beginning it was Nolan. It was the, the two people who changed superhero cinema forever were Raimi and Nolan. Nolan provided this darker tone and re was able to take both superhero tropes and also tropes, superhero tropes, and also tropes of crime films and other genres and create something very distinct while Raimi created this kind of cheesy, campy, fun new age of superhero films. But now with the MCU, I feel like we're just getting these cookie cutter films that no one really enjoys, Oliver. Like the last MCU film I truly enjoyed was Endgame. And the only reason I liked Endgame because it had a, pretty cool hour battle to be honest that's like one of the few reasons i actually like that film so i think that this new 10 new marvel shows when only one looks like it has any promise to it maybe two at the max two but anything else oliver about that it does not look good yeah i i think i have a couple things to say about this but um i don't know like like before endgame all the other all the marvel before that they were kind of building up to it like there was there was a purpose like there was a reason to keep watching it was this like mystery puzzle that was being unraveled like what were the infinity stones what were the, what was the purpose of them what's Thanos got to do with everything right mm-hmm. but like after that I don't I don't really know where this is going I think what they're trying to do with all this Marvel content is that they're like trying to continue on adding stuff to the world right 
mm-hmm. but like world building isn't that interesting when there's no purpose exactly yeah there is no purpose because i feel like the infinity saga is the only thing i want to see in a marvel movie i don't i really don't have any interest in these new characters because i think they've they've kind of wasted their a grade characters you know what i mean all over like their prestigious ones i guess you could call them because they have notable recognition and my big problem is now like look we have we've gotten rid of iron man captain america and maybe we have one more thor movie in store but but after the next thor movie there's going to be no there's going to be no kind of story more stories to tell that i think will draw in audiences because they have wasted all the characters that have made these films very kind of influential or kind of made comic books kind of very interesting and they've wasted them and i think that i think that the mcu with these new tv shows shows that there's they reek a little bit of desperation they're desperate to kind of recapture the former glory of of their old sorry when i say yeah marvel is trying to recapture the glory days which was 11 year span. I think that because if the DCEU truly wants to catch up ahead, this would be the time to strike because they're kind of waning. The MCU we can see has lost a little bit, little bit of steam. And because of this, I'm worried they're going to just, I think, I think Marvel will be eclipsed by DC in the coming years. If they, if the DC actually has a certain plan to changing everything. Yeah, I think, you, there's kind of this trend that Marvel or hasn't really been established yet, but I have this like hypothesis that Marvel is like starting to decline mm-hmm. because like we've already mentioned, right? Um, yes. There's really nowhere for it to go. That actually might be a good thing because we were talking about interconnectivity, right? Yes. And how it just, compl- uh, it just complicates everything, mm-hmm. but it also takes kind of away from purpose, I guess, because yeah. Like directors nowadays, like modern movies and stuff, they're more focused with creating an established universe than like um, coming up with interesting things, right? So like the Godfather Part Two, that actually had something different to say. It didn't really add much to the universe. Mm-hmm. It did like add a couple of stuff, but like still, it had something to say. But these new franchises that seek to create um, new. Or these new franchise, okay, yeah. these new movies that seek to create new franchises just keep churning out sequels that have no purpose, and they're also flooding the market and um, taking away money from actual movies that have actual things to say. So I think the decline of Marvel will kind of show everybody and audiences that interconnectivity would be kind of like interconnectivity is dying out. So we can have like a return to the classical cinema that we all know and love. Oliver, I would um, I actually have to completely agree with that statement and those sentiments because Marvel, I don't know. I just think I think that Marvel people will see this kind of there is a flaw with the interconnected universe because and the that big flaw over in my eyes is um, that the problem with an interconnected universe, Oliver, is that is that you will eventually run out of stories to tell, and I think that. When we come back to classic cinema and cinema that actually has a purpose, I think that we will be much better off than this kind of pushing out and churning out three, four Marvel films a year when no one really wants to watch them, to be honest. 
Like, I think most people are kind of getting sick of watching all these Marvel films in my eyes. You can, yeah. You can even see this, like, interconnectivity trend with classic movies. There's this some rumor that they're going to make a fourth Godfather movie. Yeah. Like, 20 years after the... The um, last After the third one, one yeah, yeah. Terrible one. So maybe, you know, maybe if there's a chance that we can go back to before everything was supposed to be so consistent. Yeah, I don't know. Oliver, we kind of been at... It's a little tangential, but... Yeah, we're talking about Marvel. I don't know. My ideas on the show, the only one that looks like it has any promise, I think, is Loki. I think Loki mm-hmm. could be good. Agreed. But besides that, I think all the other shows look pretty, pretty bad. Pretty, I don't know, what if looks really terrible, to be honest. Like, I don't even understand the premise of it. It's like you change one aspect of the show of like Marvel, and then you show kind of the, like the changes to the whole universe. So I don't know. I I'm not very excited to see this. I'm really excited <coughs> Blessing. for the next chapters of either Star Wars or these films because I don't think they're going to be good, to be honest. I just, I don't. You understand, what I'm, Oliver? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we're just going to wrap things up here. I would not want to thank Oliver so much for being here. Mm-hmm, Oliver, any final you. words for the audience? Um, no, not really. I mean, we kind of said everything that needs to be said. But oh, thank you for having me back on. Yeah, of course. Always great having Oliver back on the Twin Cast. We'll be putting out a lot more episodes very soon, so make, stay tuned for that. I want to thank everyone. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening and subscribing, and make sure always to comment down. Come, make sure to always to reel it in. Thank you so much. Yeah.